Welcome to Editing Aloud with a collection of South Africa's best journalists telling you about the news of the week. Guys, the big news in the last couple of days, I suppose in a macro sense, is um, GDP growth. The figures came out this week, which showed that for last year, 2018, we had growth of 0.8%. Um, Sikhanati, to start with you perhaps, you know, 0.8%, this is actually less than we had the year before in 2017 of one4 what happened to this whole Ramaphoria thing? Why didn't that work? Why did we have a slowdown compared to the previous year? Well, and the population is growing at 2%. And the population, 2%. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, anyone who knows anything about the economy and business knows that you don't just switch on a button and then everything starts flying. Uh, my hope is that that was the base and, and from here onwards then we, we really start uh, choking up growth to at the three percent level at least uh, but we know what what is required and of course Ramaphosa is just one man uh, you still have the same government you still have the same policies except uh, uh, corruption is now not as really almost officially acceptable as it was before uh, <laughs> no not really <laughs> almost <yeah. laughs> so so the, the, there's hope. Uh, my, my hope is that indeed after the election, uh, the, the election should really give him a clear popular mandate uh, to go ahead with their, to proceed with the reforms and, and the growth should then follow. Uh, whether that happens or not is a different story altogether. Ron, that's a controversial thing that Sikhanati's just mentioned. You see that view propounded by a lot of people that we should vote for Ramaphosa to strengthen his hand. Mm. Um, but should you be rewarding the ANC for, for what it's done in the last couple of years? You know, and also another factor in that discussion is it's not just one man who makes up the ANC. Yeah. Um, but before you go, I did not say vote for Ramaphosa. <laughs> 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 That's just correct. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, uh, I guess with, yeah, it's, uh, they should be punished, I guess, for the performance of the past nine years, just to what extent it will be. But I get when, you know, uh, was it a couple of weeks ago with uh, one of the mining CEOs, and he's saying for their sector, they want to back Ramaphosa for stability in the within the the mining charter was settled well, right? So it sounds like big business is happy with the new dawn, but uh, for growth reasons, I think the consumer is very much under pressure more than we we mm. ever, ever imagined, right? It's like you can see a, a Financial Mail's front page stories about Shoprite, the rest, and Woolworths, and all, all of them. You can see the pressure of the South African consumer, and mm. we are about sixty percent or so of the SA economy, so. It's the South African consumer which generally is not bullish about, the, about their prospects. And that's what we'll, well, the ANC will find out, just how bullish they are on May 8th, right? And so that's the, I think that's the big reason why the economy is fine. But I guess for big business, they're very happy to have from Aposta there. Stability, he's talking their language. But as we said, it's still the ANC. Yeah. So what is, what is, you know, I've heard some figures mentioned mm. in terms of what it will take to improve the economy to get to the supposed mandate given to Ramaphosa. Is that 60%? Is it 58%? What is it? I mean, within his party, he needs to get a sizable increase from Jacob Zuma. It can't go worse than what Zuma brought in 2014, and especially 2016 in the local government election. So he has to outperform Zuma to get the stronger hand within his party. If he has anything less than those, the, the faction that's scared about all these commissions are going to be much stronger, mm. a, a stronger plate going into the next uh, uh, NGC and the next elective conference. So he needs that. And if we think outside of Ramaphosa, all the other actors aren't strong enough, I guess maybe we are kind of invested in that he gets a stronger mandate because I don't know, if we think we're more seeing other, these competition within our political theatre, if you have faith in that, I, I, mm. I don't have much faith in the rest and him maybe to an extent. Yeah. <laughs> Yana, in terms of 
getting back to the GDP numbers, I mean, the one section sector you imagine would have grown leaps and bounds would have been the legal fraternity, thanks to the commissions <laughs> that Warren mentioned. But yeah. a couple of sectors did very badly last year. Yeah. Agriculture went down 4.8%, yeah. I think it was. Um, mining and construction got absolutely decimated again. Yeah. Um, what, does that, what does that speak to? Does that speak to the fact that the policies in those specific sectors are, are struggling? We have land affecting yeah, agriculture. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think we mustn't forget that large parts of South Africa still were facing a, a very serious drought. Um, so on agriculture, hopefully that will, we'll see those numbers um, starting to improve. But I mean, fundamentally, South Africa is still very much a mining-driven economy. You know, mining really drives um, other important sectors like manufacturing. We mustn't forget the impact of ESCOM, the fact that we actually don't have enough power. <laughs> so mm. we can sit here and talk all about the politics, but the, the fact of the matter is if, if you don't have electricity and, and security of supply, pricing at an affordable level, you know, we're not going to see massive investment and, and significant growth. That is the reality of it. But isn't, that a, isn't that then a risk to signify what you were saying, your, your growth projection of 3%? I mean, surely, you know, you're not going to fix ESCOM even this year. It's going to take a while to do that. And then you have the land policy, which is still, still going to keep hurting our agricultural sector. To, to be sure, we are definitely not going to get anything near 2%, let alone 3% this year and even next year. But we really need to be at those levels. At least, uh, at least beat the population growth. Uh, that, I would think, would, would mean things are stable. As is now, we're going the other way around. So w what we need is, is, is certainty. Uh, the, the election result could be interpreted any other way. So he gets, uh, Ramaphosa gets a, a strong mandate, as, as Ron uh, suggests. Uh, Tabombegi got more than two-thirds majority and got fired by the party. If Ramaphosa got, or, or the ANC just managed to hang on uh, to 51% of the vote, that would really light a fire behind their bums and get this uh, country working because they, they, they then would know that this, it's not a God-given right that they will always mm -hmm. rule over this country. Mm -hmm. Unless, of course, they can do a ZANU-PF on us, which uh, I, I, I don't think is beyond them. Certainly that faction mm -hmm. of the ANC. Mm -hmm. uh, so we need growth, but we, we, we really need to test the ANC in the election, and it needs to feel threatened. We talk about mining, Yanni. You spoke about mining as a, as a backbone for the economy, as it has been for years. Mm. One of the things happening is there's massive labor, labor issues, specifically Sabanya, the gold mines, I think have been on strike since November. Yes. Um, and Sabania is the last sort of major mining house, I suppose, exposed to gold here. Um, wh what's actually happening there? I mean, what are, what are the, where is it at now? So the, there's been a lot of violence and intimidation. I think Gwede Mantashi was there yesterday um, asking for intervention from the police to, to really try and improve the security situation. I think nine people dead so far, and the strike started in November. Um, and a number of houses being burned down. I think there's been a number of cars and things being burned down. So it's, it's really been a very volatile situation, and I must say, uh, very underreported by the media, actually. It's a disgrace on all our names that we haven't been on the ground there a lot more um, talking, to, talking to people there. Um, from what I understand, you know, the strike started. AMCU actually made it, the regional office made a list of demands when in the wage talks. Most of those were, were actually, you know, the company agreed to. The other unions did sign the agreement. So AMCU is not, there's a dispute about whether, how, exactly how big their membership is at Sabanya. So that is a thing, you know, a fight that's going through the labor courts and, and CCMA processes at the moment. But uh, 
from what I understand, the national leadership, Joseph Matunjwa, then said you will not sign this agreement, even though the regional mm. um, leaders were happy to do it. And they've been on strike ever since. Um, and, and I think, you know, it's also an indictment on the process. We, you know, should we have a, a, a legal system that allows for workers to go on strike for four months without getting paid? I mean, these are this is severely damaging to the to the workers. Mm. Nobody wins. Um, Sabanya since except maybe Joseph Matunjwa. Yeah, well, that's also debatable because I think the standoff between him and Neil Froneman, you know, Froneman also doesn't, you know, Sabanya doesn't want to back down either now. So you have the standoff between two very strong personalities. Nobody wants to lose. And the people who are losing are the workers. And, you know, and it's putting thousands of other jobs at risk, even though Sabanya will say those jobs are not at risk because of the strike. I mean, it's the logical, you know, conclusion to make. So nobody wins um, and you have two massive egos fighting. Um, and nobody wants to blink first, but at some point something's going to have to give. Mm. And, and you know, the, the question is: is this is this Joseph Matindra's last roll of the dice? If they lose this strike, how much credibility does the union lose? And and what are the ramifications um, across the mining sector? So, so Ron, your your thoughts on, on Yana's question? I mean, should people be allowed to strike for four months? And if you look at the GDP figures we just talked about, mm. what extent can the mines afford to meet the demands? Are they just being bloody minded? Is it just an ego thing, or? I mean, uh, I mean, Fordman, uh, I think Fordman's can't afford to to, to meet the to meet the demands of, of the mine. But also, I think he's very protected by what's happening on his palladium and, and platinum business. So I think he's very comfortable by that, and that's why Joseph has been asking for a sympathy strike across all operations. He knows, okay, fine. But I mean, those operations, uh, KDC. I think, you know, when I think about it, maybe they should have been closed a long time ago. Uh, there's a reason why Goldfields dumped them in Sibanya's lap, and from that, uh, Fronwin was able to build this empire mm. of uh, mining companies. And, but maybe it's almost a bit of realism in South Africa, on, especially with regards to gold. And those mines are old. They, there's a reason why no one wanted them, and consolidation is almost over in the, in the gold mining set, and Sibanya is sitting with it. And, Fronterman, as we all know here, is a bloody-minded individual. He's willing to go. He's, he's fine to like, keep them unpaid for four months, five months, in case maybe. It's devastating for families. It's devastating for families, he, he, but he holds strong. It's almost like it's him versus Mutunjwa, in, in a sense. And he almost can bring in there. There's uh, uh, Gwete, who's also a former Num guy, who's actually not quite on, on, on the same side as Mutunjwa automatically. So there is kind of a battle there that could turn very ugly, but I think maybe Marigana's lessons almost hopefully that placates everyone, but uh, it's a hard battle. And maybe in truth, we have to have a hard discussion about gold mining in this country, and particularly those labor intensive ones where it's just it's ridiculous why they're still open, right? Mm. These, these mines, and it's, that's why a foreman can survive keeping those mines closed for this long. Sigmati, so do we not need to have mm. a hard discussion about unions and how they operate in this country? How does this end? Well, the W w the, the end will really be bad and uh, and nasty. Look look at it this way: the the employees, the, the difference between what the company has offered and the other unions have accepted, and according to Sibanye, those are the majority union. Uh, it's three hundred rand per month. That's the difference between what the uh, AMCO wants and what the company has offered and what the other uh, employees are getting already. Those who are at work, three thousand six hundred rands a year, and they are losing basic wages of about 12,000 rands a month. Now, do the maths. They will never recover. Their counterparts in Rustenberg, in, 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 in the Platinum Belt, four years on, have still not recovered from a five-month uh, strike. Uh, again, uh, w where will this end? 
I do not know. Joseph Matunjwa continues to get paid because he's employed by AMCO and, and encouraging people who keep him employed to, to go unpaid. So it's, again, a strike is, is a constitutionally enshrined right in mm. this country. We can't limit them to four months or two months. How does it end? I don't know. But it's because people don't seem to have the interests of the workers at heart. It's, it's primarily the egos, right? Is that Definitely. Uh, they, they don't seem to have the interests of the workers at, at heart. And the workers themselves don't know what is good for them. We'll, uh, let's face it. Mining in this country is for, is, is for the uneducated, is, is for the, the illiterate. I'm talking about the labor. So they, they, you and I can, can really easily compute these numbers and decide, I will forego 300 rands and accept what my employer gives me over the next four months or, or the next 12 months and, no, and not have to suffer for 3,600 rands. They have no idea. They're just asking for 10%, 12%, whatever that is. Guys, one of the things that happened in the last week, which is significant, um, is EdCon got a bailout, a long-awaited bailout package that they've been talking about for, for months. Um, Jana, in terms of what it means, I mean, EdCon is this brand that has been synonymous with South African retail since 1929, um, but it completely hit the skids after 2005. It did this private equity deal. W what are the basic terms of, of, this, of this package? So basically they're getting about $3 billion, just less than $3 billion. Um, they're getting discounted rents for the next um, two years. And the UIF and some of the big um, property companies have, have put in um, some cash and then discounted rent. Um, Grant Patterson believes that that's you know, going to be sufficient to, to turn around the business. But I think we should also not forget that in 2016 they, got, they did a massive debt to equity swap, mm. which the previous CEO also believed was going to be the thing, you know, this is our balance sheet is now well positioned to, to turn around this business and, and we haven't seen that happen. So I think their problems are certainly, you know, the financial breathing room is there now, but their problems are certainly bigger than just finances. Just before we get into that point, I mean, is Sikonati, does it not set a bad precedent to be bailing out retailers, bailing out companies that, that should be allowed to fail in, in the system? I mean, companies should fail, companies should survive. Why should the PIC, for example, be investing government pensioners' money in this company that has been so frail for so long? I'll address that just now, but uh, the, the most important point on Yana's uh, issue here is that th these guys make operating profit. Then the, 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 the debt wiped out all, mm. uh, all of that cash. Now, with this deal, they will have absolutely no debt, no interest-bearing debt. Uh, everything has been converted to equity. That more than at any time in the past 10 years, gives Edcon the best chance ever. Uh, who wouldn't want a, two, a, 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 40, a, a discount, a 41% discount over two years on their rent? That's we'll the, take 41% discount now, <laughs> Bond, if we could. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, absolutely. So this, absolutely, if, if they cannot make it work now, then they, the, the company does not deserve to exist. Why should the PIC invest? This is the unemployment insurance funds money. Now, everybody that participated in that deal, it is in their absolute interest to do it, including the UIF, because the 40,000 people that work there, should Edcon uh, hit the ground, uh, be liquidated, you've got 40,000 people knocking at the UIF's office demanding payouts, uh, and the UIF has said, okay, let's keep you guys employed. We'll take equity in your business. You better work very hard. So that, 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 that's a great deal. It's not the PIC's money. Let, let, let's mm. repeat that. So 
you, you cut off the queue of people unemployed, another 40,000 people uh, who would otherwise go to the UIF to claim money. They have now been uh, given at least two years uh, to, to, to keep going at work. And, and Edcon has already said it will, there will be no massive there will be no massive retrenchments. They will just uh, move people around offices and, and they will obviously shrink their, their, their business. In that way, Edcon is quite too big to fail, particularly in this economy. Mm. It employs the 40,000 people. It, it, it gets 44% of its, of, of its products from within South Africa and the, the, cloaks, the Southern uh, South African cloak clothing and textile workers union says this is the biggest supporter of the local manufacturing uh, industry in fashion so you you you've got not only the 40,000 people but hundreds of other uh, thousands depending on Edcon okay, it's a it's good, good argument it's a good argument well, but but Ron I wanted to ask you <laughs> I mean the thing with Edcon is so they had this big deal in 2005 yeah. I think yeah. it was uh, Bain Capital came and bought them out big private equity deal 25 billion um, and then they had the skits. They couldn't afford to pay the, the debt, yeah. like, like Ron said. But, I mean, the thing is, had they not got that, that massive private equity deal, mm. Edcon, as a business, would it, would it still have hit the skids? Because the department store model that they built themselves on was always kind of frail in this environment. You look overseas, guys are going bust the whole time. Yeah. And then you have Cotton On, you have Zara, you have new guys. I mean, would they not have always faced a bit of an identity crisis at some stage? Yeah, I think so. I think um, ever since S.A.B. Miller dumped them, when was it, late 90s? And uh, I mean, when there was this boom period when Steve Ross took over the American CEO, and it was, it was a great business, but all he did was just source uh, goods from China. So it was cheap goods, and it looked prettier, and then hence the Americans came in. But I think Edgar's is a long dying business, and I think uh, the whole, and I, I agree with you, is the president will be setting about bailing out. I think Edgar's will be back at the back here again at some point. I, I can't, I just look at Edgar's as a business, I can't see it trading itself out of the position it's in. It's, uh, it's antiquated that, that that business is, it hasn't changed much. It's pretty much reminds me of David, when, you, when, you, when I read about David Jones, I haven't mm. been to Australia, when I read about David Jones, and I think it's mayors in Australia, pretty much in the same position. Large, big, uh, big scale box uh, retailers just don't have a future going forward. And I don't think there's actually anything structurally that has changed in Edgar's to tell me that it's a new business. It's the same Edgar's I grew up going to in Church Street in Pinamarisburg all those years ago. And in Grant Patterson, uh, the current CEO, uh, he's not really a retailer, right? He's a, he's a great finance Yeah, he's an engineer and he's a great finance guy. He knows how. I mean, he sold. The whole idea to Walmart that Mass Mall is a great buy, when actually Walmart should have bought Shoprite. Was that a grocer, the grocer type of thing? That that was his claim to fame. I right? almost want to say poor Walmart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I don't think he's the the, uh, the retailing guy. I mean, he isn't a Mark Lamberti or any of these other doyens that have long gone, uh, have long retired. So it goes. People, we're sitting here, it just looks like it looks 1980s or 1990s. There's not, no structure, actual change to that business, and it just keeps shrinking further and further going down. So, But I, but, but I guess your, your argument about 40,000 jobs being saved and the context of the country we live in and the fear of this whole implosion of it gets, But, uh, I mean, there's some point, like gold mining, we have to sit down and say, what pain do we take to restructure the SA economy? Like, and this is part I mean, this, it just I mean, should not exist in That's future. capitalism. Like, you know, business yeah, is supposed to die and they, businesses... And it's ugly, yeah. right? It's going to be ugly when it dies, but from, it, from its ashes, something else will emerge from it. And maybe 
the fear is what, what will emerge from it. But I think maybe from his ashes, something may emerge from Edgar's. I mean, do, do you, I, I mean, I don't know if you shop at Edgar's, but do you, do you think? I try to, but they make to. it very difficult to shop there. <laughs> I mean, it's, I think that is one of their big problems mm. is their merchandise. It's mm. just, it, it's just, and even if you go to CNA, for example, mm. you look at what a, a business like Typo has done yeah. mm. with what was CNA's bread and butter. And yes. it's a completely different experience. Um, so the, the, and exact, it's exactly what Ron says. Mm. It's exactly exactly the same yeah. as, you know, I went to the Edgars in Craddock and exactly. it's exactly the same and yeah. there's, yeah. So it doesn't have uh, a reason And I haven't become good. more fashionable, but <laughs> neither of them. I mean, like, exclusive <laughs> books has taken part of that. Yes. Edgars, is, yeah, CNA used to have, like, books, right? Yeah. So exclusive books have taken yeah. that business away and then you have Typo, the rest. They've just eaten into that, yeah. that big juggernaut of a, of, a, of a retailer and it sits there. It's an anchor tenant in most malls, so... But people aren't going to it. Okay, that whole anchor tenant argument becomes Edgar's isn't working, and they have these high rents. Hence, they just forty percent cut in rents. Probably need more than that. But it's yeah. just one of those stores that is yeah. quite look at Stutterford's dying. Yeah. I mean, mm. do anyone miss them? Do, nope, you, do you find the, well, the more than empty or <laughs> no? But I mean, yeah. there are no empty mm. spaces where Stutterford's used to be. I, I agree with Ron. Yeah. I mean, sometimes these things have to die, and you have to give room to more innovative, yeah. more creative competitors so that, that, that might not get a foot in the door now. Let me keeping let this thing me alive. Differ. I beg to differ, yeah, my bring, bring, colleagues. Bring. Yes, yes, bring colleagues. Yeah. The, the, the issue of saving Edcon mm. with the retailers, who otherwise are exposed to, to, to about 10% of their letable space to Edcon, you then have the, 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 the textile manufacturing companies mm. all relying on them. So there needs to be a payback. The, the, the one way you can get Edcon to work for all of South Africa is pressurize them to increase their procurement from South Africa they're already high at 44%, but guess what? Edcon was this brand that supported local products like your, your Kelso, but, who were manufactured. But imagine, this, but imagine this, if, if Edgar's fails, right? Like Edgar's dies, at least I'm, not, I'm not wishing the worst for the 40,000 people, right? If Edgar's fails, all these, uh, in the, all these malls, uh, rentals, don't they change? Like, uh, so other smaller guys will get cheaper rentals, right? Because there's, there's, so maybe there's a change in the whole ecosystem, the whole pricing of rentals and so on for other guys to benefit. Maybe smaller retailers can find a space in a mall. Ron wants to go so, open a buzzer shop in a mall. Yeah, look, why not? Like, but, but the point is, like, this, this domination of, uh, of Edgar's and continued like, support, life support we're giving it to, what are we actually... What's, who's losing out in the end? Yeah. This, this three billion that's been raised to give to, to Edgar's, who's losing out in the end? We have to really think clearly about that. And maybe there's a, I don't know, there's but, an argument but what about, what about, I mean, the, the fact is Edgar's, I mean, is the problem, Jana, that it just doesn't have a compelling management? It doesn't have a reason to exist anymore. It's lost its way. So you don't know what you're buying in Edgar's. You don't know why you go in there. Well, that's one of the things that Grant Patterson says that they're going to fix. You know, they, they, they moved away. Who was that German CEO they had who brought in all these like Diesel. really high yeah, end high brands? End. I mean, nobody goes to Edgar's to buy a 4,000 mm. Rand pair of jeans, you know. Um, and they kind of lost their way a bit in terms of offering value, you know, kind of just run of the mill stuff, but it's good quality and it's not expensive. And I think they're trying to some extent to get, to get back to that. 
But the problem is also how many of us are going to go back there to try and see what they've got now. You know, mm. you, you kind of lose customers. It's very hard to get them going back through the doors again, unless you have money to spend on marketing and doing innovative stuff and, you know, bringing in South African designers or, mm. you know, but, you know, if, you've, if you don't have cash, maybe they, they'll have a bit more room to play with now. But I mean, it's going to be very hard to, to get that brand to a point where people see it as exciting again. Um, you know, it's almost yeah, like Woolworths was almost saved by it's food business, yes, right? Yes, completely. Yeah, yeah. clothing was always like hit or miss, yeah. and you know, it was for, for all people stuff, that kind of thing. Uh, maybe, yeah. Uh, but, but they still get food okay. through the door yeah, because people, you go you walk, yes. and you walk through the clothes. Exactly, to get to the to food, get the food right? Yeah. So yeah. maybe in Edgar's rethinking over the past 20 years, someone should have thought maybe Edgar's is due for like a Woolworths makeover. If, maybe if there was food in, inside of Woolworths, then maybe a person would walk into but, it and then pick up their clothes. I don't know. But it needs that reinvention of what the hell yeah, this absolutely. big box thing is. Right? And they lost 22% of their, of their market share in fashion. Yes. Now, I mean, how do you do that unless yeah. you're so busy worrying about the debt yeah. that you completely take your eye off the ball? Yeah. So yeah. I suppose it's getting their eye back onto that ball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just one last thing, uh, just to wrap up the show. Uh, the election is a couple of weeks away, as Ron mentioned. We talked a bit about the ANC and whether you should give Cyril his 60%. Um, <laughs> figures from the Institute of Race Relations, their new polling numbers, um, suggest that the ANC is currently on 54.7, uh, down, down 1 or 2%, which is quite a bit below Ramaphosa's 60%. DA is now 21.8, up 3% from December, and the EFF on 12.2. Um, Jana, I mean, that still falls far short of the 60%, right? Is that yeah. a good number, a bad number? I mean, how does it, what does that I say? Don't know. I'm, I'm leaning towards Ikunati's view on this. I think the more competition, um, the better for all of us. But I, I understand the argument that we want stability and you don't want to get to a, a violent um, in, you know, situation where people are fighting as a PF, MDC kind of fight where there's a real risk of losing power and you and you just do anything in your power to hang on to it. But, I mean, frankly, for me, they just all it's just so depressing right <laughs> who do we vote for i mean there's just nobody out there that's really inspiring that's really bringing something new to the table that you can really trust to to make any significant difference so i'm i'm afraid i'm very indifferent towards the political parties and i don't have much um sympathy for any of them i feel sure. they can all they can all be getting a harder time from all of us i don't okay, see i don't see a zone pf play out i think they will that what we're going towards coalition politics, the ANC will play coalition politics. But my biggest fear in coalition politics, what, what will ever happen in this country? Like, what will we do? Okay, guys, that's a wrap. We're still a democracy. Um, so keep tuned next week for the next edition as we head towards that election.